Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today is entrepreneur and Abraham Hicks fan, Louis D'Souza. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And for those of you who are following us in the live stream, thank you for finding us. We actually just finished the shortest broadcast in StreamYard history, one second. <laughs> it's been an interesting thing. This is basically a computer teaching Walt humility, and Walt is learning his lesson in humility today. But uh, that's all right. We made it. We're live. And we have a guest today, Selena Dorsey, joining us here on the podcast. How are you doing, Selena? I'm great. It's always great to chat with you and your co-host, you know, all things LOA and all things happiness. That's, well, that pretty much summarizes it, doesn't it? I think we're done for the day. Okay, we'll see you now next time. Oh, no, no, that's not right. <laughs> and uh, Louie, unfortunately, Anne-Marie can't join us today, but you're looking, uh, in your own terms, fit, fat, and flourishing. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks, Well, Our listeners. <laughs> that pretty much summarizes it right there. Anyway, um, we're starting off the week uh, kind of continuing a theme that we've been doing for the last few weeks, talking about wealth and abundance. And more specifically, talking about how action, especially inspired action, ties in to wealth and abundance. Uh, because I think one of the misconceptions people get is that if you get into the right vibration, it just sort of shows up. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to uh, get off your couch. You just kind of sit there. And, and, and that can happen, by the way. I mean, Dan Mangan wrote a book on that called The Money Game. And by the way, it works. It's just, it's not always the easiest thing in the world to make that a regular income stream. But nevertheless, you can attract money right to your couch. It really does happen. Um, but for those of us who really don't want to wait for that and actually want to go out and live a life and you need money to live that life, it's probably a good idea to learn how to take the inspired action too. And that's an interesting balance. Louie, I'm going to go to you first on that one. It's an interesting balance because on the one hand, it's really all about, you know, what space are we in and what, where's our ask at and what kind of resistance we got. It's another thing entirely, though, to think about in terms of, well, what are you going to do? Yes. So uh, what are we going to do in life? I remember asking many kids recently, what do you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> and I was the same when I was a kid. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as, as you journey along, things become clearer because, as you know what you don't want, you get a better idea what you do want. And so the whole thing just gets cleaned up and cleaned up and cleaned up. And eventually you start finding what your passion is. And eventually you start running with that a little bit. And then uh, walking, I mean, walking first, then jogging, <laughs> then running. Um, and, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, we, we just need to build that up over time. But um, it takes time to find out what you want. I remember having to go to the army for two years in South Africa. Um, because I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, instead of popping into university first, I decided, you know, let's play two years in the army. And I, I did come out with a, a little bit more clarity than, you know, when I went in. I knew I didn't want to stay in the army. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is clarity. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was all fun. And it, it's a challenge, too. Because as you're taking these steps, you're, you don't always know what direction you're going in. Like you said, you're trying to find that passion. So let, let's go to an expert at finding these passions in life. Because Selena has found her passion many times and some really cool ones along the way, I have to say. Um, but I, I'm going to take a kind of a leap here. And uh, I'm going to kind of assume that your, your big leap forward was when you went entrepreneur. And I'm gathering you went entrepreneur the first time in hypnotherapy. Am I guessing that right? No, actually, no. I started, no. <laughs> uh, my very first uh, business venture was when I was 21 years old and I started Selena's Beauty Supply. So I had my very first beauty supply store at 21. And then through the years, you know, I dabbled in other entrepreneurial journeys. At, at, at one point, I had like a uh, sterling silver jewelry line. I mean, I had so many various businesses before I stumbled on onto uh, hypnotherapy in life coaching. And that's because of a personal experience where uh, a loved one had passed away suddenly and I was in a in like high grief. So I reached out to a therapist to kind of help me deal with that. And that worked so well 
Then I became a hypnotherapist, a life coach, NLP practitioner. And that was my journey from 2008 to 2018. And then in 2018, I decided to uh, stop seeing clients one-on-one. You know, I had two offices, I had multiple practitioners, but I wanted to serve the industry. So I wanted to help other therapists and coaches, um, not only with the therapy side of their business, but also the business side. And that's when we started the HypnoBiz brand of conferences, you know, that branched out to Canada. They were here in New York City, my hometown, Australia. Amsterdam. And then we went virtual when the pandemic hit. So I started with, you know, entrepreneurship, business ownership at a very, very early age. And when I think of wealth and abundance, because that's the theme, right? That's what we're talking about. I look at it as an energy exchange. And I think if more people viewed it as an energy exchange, it wouldn't be so hard for them to try to imagine for themselves or picture or manifest it in their lives, right? Because it's not like, how can I make more money? How, why is it, why I don't have more money? How come everybody else has the money? It's like, oh, what can I exchange, right? For the other person's dollars? What product or service can I provide in exchange for their you know, dollars. Now, back in the day when we didn't have money, right, people did a barter system, right? It's like my chickens for your cow or whatever it is. And that was a form of money, right? A form of barter, but it's like an energy exchange. What are you providing for that other person's, you know, money, chicken, egg? We don't do that anymore. So I think if more people viewed it in that terms, then the creativity starts in your mind, like, huh, what skills do I have? Or you could look around in your home, what items or products that I have that I may not use or, or don't need, right? And that was the rise of eBay, right? People are like, I have all this stuff in my house, in my garage, in my storage. Let me sell some of this stuff and make some income. So when you look at it like that, I think you get more creative of what you can exchange um, for money. So it's really like an energy exchange. I'm impressed that you started at 21. That's not a typical life path for most, most people. I mean, most people, like like Louis was saying, you go into the army or you go into university, you go to college, you get a degree. Um, maybe halfway through, you actually figure out what you want to try for a living. Um, some of us come out of school still not knowing what we want to do for a living. <laughs> and here you knew. You said, okay, I'm just going to go for this thing. I mean, what, what what was different about you, do you think? I really think it's my environment. I think environment is so important. And whatever you're looking to achieve or accomplish in your life, I think because, you know, I was raised here in New York City, it's a very um, ambitious entrepreneurial city. I mean, if you've been here, if you lived here, you know, everybody is, you know, working to get to that next level, whether they're moving in corporate America or whether they're on Wall Street, whether they're in the fashion energy, like the people here are just really, really ambitious. And, you know, Frank Sinatra, right? He's like, if you can make it here in New York, you You can can make it anywhere. anywhere. So I think when you're in this environment and you have friends with that mindset, you just learn really early on, like, okay, how am I going to make it? How am I going to provide for myself? How am I going to be successful? And you start thinking about your path at a really early age. Yeah, that makes sense too. In fact, one of the things that, one of the phrases I associate with New York City is everybody's got an angle. And it's true. Everybody has an angle. They're trying to figure out what their angle is to get to their abundance. They don't actually use the word abundance too often, but that's pretty much what they're aiming for is the abundance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And also remember, New York is a really expensive city. It's like one of the Mm -hmm. most expensive cities in the world. So you are not figuring it out early. I mean, you could be homeless. You could, you know, starve. And there are so many people just as smart and as ambitious as you. So you kind of have to figure it out, like even for just basic survival. So I think the mindset um, is just really, really different, like unique to like New York, where you're like, I have to make it. I have to do something with my life. Yeah, here in the U.S., I'm trying to think what what might be more expensive. Maybe San Francisco, Silicon Valley. San Francisco, the state, right? Silicon Valley. Like, you know, you see all the tech startups coming out of San Francisco, right? These billion-dollar startups. So I would definitely say San Francisco for sure. It's like, I think, far, if not even more. What about London? Than New York. Well, Well, yeah, that's that's outside (laughs) the U.S. Absolutely. London's an example. I remember when I arrived in London (laughs) and I was living in... uh, on the floor in the lounge with seven other South Africans in, in, in the, um, the house. And, uh, 
freezing cold and they kept opening the window because they wanted to smoke in the lounge and I didn't smoke. It was just like the worst thing ever. And uh, I came over, I, ra- I landed in South Africa, um, in London from South Africa with a credit card that I could max out to minus, minus a thousand. So, and uh, that was it. That's what I had. I'd spend all my money on the flight and getting my passport and all the other things. And uh, um, I managed to get my first job uh, with British Standards, BSI in Milton Keynes. And they were paying me 19 pounds an hour. And that's not bad. Not bad <laughs> for my first job, job no. at all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I landed up at the BBC, Chase Manhattan Bag, Med Police, House of Lords, House of Commons. Um, and yeah, I had a had an amazing time. By the time I finished, I'd I'd made a, a huge fortune. Um, but uh, it was a it was quite a journey, you know. It was quite an enjoyable journey. But I wanted to bring up something else uh, that's really current because I was in the sauna the other day, as I usually am. And uh, <laughs> you have to understand, Louis, like half of his story started. I was in the sauna, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm chatting to this youngster and he's, he's rather negative about love and relationships and all the rest of it. So, um, I, I start re, reshaping his thinking and his, and his thoughts and all the rest of it. And, uh, um, I'm start chatting to him about, you know, lightning may strike, you know, you may find the right one who's, 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 who's perfect for you. I said, let me tell you about my story. And I know Selena hasn't heard it. So I'll tell the game. And, um, you know, I just broken up out of a, a seven year relationship with somebody because it was just going nowhere for, you know, the way I was looking at it. And, um, I was just a couple of months later, I went on a course, a five day course in a, an energy course. And I saw this woman on the first day and I said, I want to get to know her. And I sat opposite her at lunch and, and all the rest of it. And there were tables of three and, uh, <clears throat> There was two bowls. One was a reviewer bowl and one was a, a, a new, new, new person bowl. So my wife, uh, my wife, the person who I, I liked at the time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> giving away the ending, oh, giving away the ending. Your wife. Um, what did she say about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, she was new. I was, I was a reviewer. Uh, so I picked up numbers out of bowl. We both landed up on the same table on day two. And on day three, both in table six. So it was six twice, which is supposed to be a very lucky number, two sixes. Not three. We know what three. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, people pushed us when we were eating out together to sit next to each other. Everybody could see the writing on the wall. And by the end of the five days, I said, hey, let me take you to the station. I'll drive you there. And then I said, hey, it's late. Why don't you stay over and... She never left my house from that day. Two days later, we knew we were going to get married and have kids. One year later, we got engaged at Victoria Falls. One year later, we got married um, at dawn at Victoria Falls. Um, and, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, now been married for 15 years, two kids. And uh, just, uh, you know, and as I was saying this, there was another girl looking there and she was gri- smiling and her smile was getting bigger and bigger. And um, he brought her in. He said, well, what do you think about this? He said, she, she said to him, how old are you? So he said, 21. He said, what do you do? So what he does, he's an entrepreneur. And this is what we're talking about. He's 21 years old. He's already doing um, Bitcoin trading as one of his main in- sources of incomes. And he also has a trainer cleaning business. So he gets people's dirty trainers. He cleans them and sends them back to them. You know, and you know, for somebody 21 years old, that is like so entrepreneurial. Yeah. And I just loved it. I just love it. He's in a, a very expensive health club <laughs> where I am and he's there paying for himself and all the rest of it in, in the expensive section. Uh, you know, so he's obviously doing very, very well for himself at the age of 21. And you know, what did I end the conversation on? It was quite fascinating. Um, uh, well, you mentioned I, the girl. Where, I, where, where does the girl come into it? Oh, oh, the girl came into it because she was really enjoying my story. And I said to him, oh. you know, lightning may strike. You may find that right person. Keep keep yourself open. You know, lightning may strike. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this girl, was, his eyes were getting bigger and bigger, and she was enjoying the story <laughs> completely. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I was saying to him, how 
how, how are you going to make people happy? I'm going to make money and then I'm going to help. I said, how can you make me happy now? Why wait? How can you make me happy now? He thought about that. And I was getting really, really hot. I was probably about three hours in the sauna and I was at the end of it. <laughs> so I was sitting on the floor chatting to this guy. Um, but I, um, and as I walked out the door, I said, think about this. I said, the greatest gift you can give anybody is your own happiness. Mm-hmm. And I walked out the door and I forgot about him, you know, as I do with all the millions of people I chat to in the sauna. <laughs> so I went back in the sauna later once I'd cooled down and I was just lying there. This guy comes in with his towel and all the rest of it, kind of wakes me up from lying on, on, on the sauna and he says, shakes my hand. Thank you for that great chat. I really, really appreciated it. I was like, what? <laughs> and you could see the earnestness and the honesty inside him. You know, he was really feeling like this is, this is amazing. Um, and you know, you never know how you're going to affect people. Uh, but it's, but it's really nice to, to watch. I, I love this club because it's, you get a lot of very entrepreneurial people there. Very mm. entrepreneurial. Wow. I love that story. That, you know, that's so profound and, it, and it's so true. The greatest gift you can give anybody is your own happiness. Like you yeah. have to protect your happiness as if it's like a bouncer in a club. Like really, Ooh. all these exclusive clubs, the bouncers are there. They're not just let anybody in, right? They're letting people in that they deem should be there. And it's the same with your mind. You have to guard your mind and, and the people that are planting seeds in it. You know, we don't think that the interactions with people, whether it's our friends or family members, um, how much that affect us. If you are around Debbie Downers or negative Nellies, as much as you think you have the willpower and you know all about law of attraction, it will still seep into your mind. So if you want to exude happiness, you want to have a fantastic life, your number one job is to get around the people that are in that vibration and also to protect your mind. That's just what I believe. Now, of course, we interact with people all day long, and that's great. It's just that you don't want to stay there and while they can affect you. I love how we start out with the idea, the topic of, okay, how do you get started in business? What would you do to, when you first got started? And it very quickly evolved into what's your mindset? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to let into your life? What are you not willing to let into your life? How are you willing to think about making people happy versus making yourself happy? I mean, really, these are the questions you have to ask yourself before you can even decide what it is that you want to do in order to have that abundant life. You have to decide who am I? What am I, what do I want? What do I like? What do I feel good about? What don't I feel good about? What are my choices? What are my options? Yeah, so true. And I just want to point out again about how our friends influence us because I look at my journey and I look at where I am and the success that I've had. I I truly believe again, it's my environment and the company that I keep. So for example, if you have, you know, a great friend of yours, right? And this happens to me all the time. They'll tell me, oh, Selena, I saw this great movie. I just watched King Richard. You have to watch it. It's fantastic. What do I do? Because I know I can trust this person. I go do the same thing. Now, if I had a Debbie Downer friend, you know, and she's like, oh, you got to check this out. And it's like this depressing movie with all this killing and it's that I'll watch it too. And without knowing that movie, it's hypnotizing me and getting in my subconscious mind. And I'm like, why am I dreaming about this sad, depressing movie? So that will get into your subconscious mind too. So our friends has the, they have the ability to suggest things to us, whether that's movies, TV shows, restaurants, different people to connect with. So we are very suggestible to our friends, um, people that we love their suggestions. That's very true. Yes. It shows what the power of friendship really is among, I mean, there are lots of powers to friendship. I don't want to limit it down to just this one functionality, but the simple fact is it plays, friendship plays a major role in our success in life. It yeah, starts it, it, with kind of, even our relationships, right? I've been set up on blind dates, so it can affect your love life. It, it can affect our business partner, um, you know, as well. Like so many people 
um, they'll see who I'm connected with, right? And they'll say, oh, Selena, can you connect me with uh, Joe Vitale? Can you make an introduction to Marie Diamond? So your friends even have the ability to assist you with business connections, with opportunities, you know, and things like that. So again, I know I keep saying this because I think it's really important. Um, be mindful of your circle because they truly do have the ability to transform your life either for the better where you're moving up in life or for the worse where you're, you know, you're backsliding like in life. You, you know, guys, I, I had this tremendous story told to me and I, I absolutely loved the, the, the idea of it. So this, this young guy was fascinated by this entrepreneur. He thought he was the bee's knees and he just wanted to learn from me. And he said, please, please teach me, please teach me. So the guy said, okay, will you do anything I tell you to? So the guy says, yes. He says, okay, go get me 3000 US dollars. It was an American guy, I think, or was it Australia? I can't remember. Um, as a second or third hand story that I heard, but it was just so good. <laughs> so the guy, the guy goes out, he maxes out all his credit cards. He gets 3000 cash. Gives it to the guy. He says, great. And he the guy pulls out an elastic band out of his pocket, wraps it around the money and gives it back to him. He says, now I want to keep, I want you to keep this money on you all the time. He says, okay, what for? He says, that's the only thing I want you to do. Come back and see me in a month's time. So he, he wanders around the shops and he says, what the hell is this money in my pocket for? It's burning a hole, you know, what happens if I lose it, you know? And he's going on and on in his mind about this and he's thinking, oh, I'd love to buy that. I don't have the, I do have the money for it. It's in my pocket. <laughs> and he starts realizing that he does have the money for everything that he, he wants at the moment. He starts getting this mindset of, oh, he has the money. Um, so the next thing is he goes back a month later and he tells the guy what he's learned from all this and all the rest of it. He says, okay, now what I want you to do is every time you go out with anybody, you pay for everything. So What? I said, yeah, you go out with your buddies, you go out anywhere, you go do anything, you pay for everything. So he, he, he goes home and he's thinking about this and his friend says, Hey, come to the pub. So he goes to the pub and he says, Oh shit, now I've got to pay for these guys. <laughs> Not only my friend, but all the other guys. And he starts paying for it all. And then eventually he realizes I'm not going to pay to listen to this drivel. <laughs> This is just terrible. So um, he uh, he starts choosing whoever he goes out with very, very carefully. <laughs> and this is the point Selena's kind of making, but the, this this whole scenario the guy created for him was very, uh, very telling, very uh, enhancing and speeding up the whole process of learning, hey, guys, um, choose who you want to be with. You know, yeah. Choose where you want to go, what you want to speak to, who you want to uh, align yourself with. Choose carefully. And even though they've been your best friends all your life, they may not be helping you to move forward to, to the next step or where you want to go. So, you know, to be able to speed that process up, pay for them every time you go out with them. You know, it's a good idea. <laughs> and uh, eventually uh, the story goes on that he actually lost the 3,000 um, and he had to get out another 3,000. <laughs> Oh my. Had to find another 3,000, put it in his pocket. And then, um, one day he found it down the side of his car. It fell out of his pocket when he was in the car. So now he had 6,000. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is a, a, a great story, uh, Lucy, about clarity. Um, and oh, yeah, it's, sorry. Uh, oh, Luke. Sorry. Yes. I was a bit far away. Luke, Luke's, actually, Luke's <laughs> going to be on the show tomorrow, actually. He's going to be our guest tomorrow. Luke, is he? Oh, hi, Luke. Hi, Luke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that was just a, a fantastic story, which I really has helped me in my mind think about where I want to go, who I want to be with, et cetera. Um, yeah. I, you know, there's, um, there's a saying, your network determines your net worth. And I learned this at a very, very early age as a, as a teenager. Your network determines your net worth because the people that you're around have the ability to open doors for you, to introduce you to people, to get that internship, you know, that, that you may want. Um, they have the ability to, to transform your lives. And, um, 
when you're hanging around people that don't have, that may not be as ambitious as you or have a vision of something more or, you know, better for themselves, right? Um, they can only stay where, where their mindset is. And if your mindset is someplace else, like way beyond, you have to get around those people that are feeding your ambitions, that are, you know, that are feeding your goals and your visions and your dreams and reaffirming that you can do it, that it's possible versus other people that may laugh at you and tell you your ideas are stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And then you start to have low self-esteem and then you start to doubt yourself. And it's like get around people that believe in you, that will open doors for you, that will propel you to uh, to greater heights. Yeah, Selena, I, I love I love the idea of of being more and more resilient. So when I do have those doubters or any of those other people, I love it. Come there, they can throw their doubts at me. They can do what they want. It just drips off my Teflon coat. It just does have no effect. <laughs> um, I actually, you can ask Walt. I very rarely even have those kind of people in my life anymore. They just don't exist. Yeah. They, they, you, you become such a a positive energy that. They only come to you when they're positive or they don't come to you at all. Yeah. Or to put it another um, way, from their point of view, they don't want to have anything to do with them. The ones that, that no, aren't there. No, they don't want anything to do with me. No. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you start becoming a, a lover of mankind. Even those negative people, they're just trying to be the best they can in the way that they think they can at that moment in time, you know. It's not wrong. I love how you're anticipating my next question. It's wonderful. I mean, you're just setting me up. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's coming over the place. Sorry, well, really... don't, don't want to make you redundant there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes my job really, really easy. I mean, my next question, and, and we're halfway through answering it, is, well, what about family? I mean, a lot of people don't really have a whole lot of choice about being you know, living with family, dealing with family on a regular oh, basis. It's very simple, yeah. Well, Sell them on eBay. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Amazon Prime. <laughs> you probably get a better price on Amazon, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that we can all point to, you know, an uncle or an aunt or a cousin that are, you know, they're just Debbie Downers. And, you know, they're part of your family, right? It's like, what do you do? At the same time, I think you can do two things. One, you can limit your exposure to them. It's not like you have to call them every day, all day, and hang out with them, right? Sometimes we see these family members at the family functions or holiday dinners, is, you know, whatever. The second thing that you can do is that when you're in their presence, I'm a firm believer, just project love onto those people. Just project love onto them. Know that they're on their journey. Hope that they'll find their way. Whether they do or not, it's not your job, right? Because happiness and enlightenment is an inside job. It's up to you, um, you know, to exude that energy into the world. Um, but I just send them love. I really, really do. Because to me, it's all about what's going on within you, right? Because you have to, you have to maintain your high vibrational state, no matter who's in your presence. So I truly believe when you send them love, knowing that it's going to be a time where you guys are going to separate, whether it's the Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, but it's a matter of keeping your vibration pure so that way good things can continue to flow to you. I will even add that you can you can accomplish this even if it's somebody you live with on a regular basis. And I'll, I'll give you the example of, of my wife, Louise, and me. Um, in most ways, we have a wonderful relationship. I don't want to make it sound like we don't, but like anybody, you know, we have certain things that rub each other the wrong way. And one of them is that she has a tendency to want to watch television programs that I really don't want to have anything to do with. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen one cop show, you've seen them all and I've, I'm done seeing any of them, you know, just to give you like a, a general idea of it. Um, but there's an interesting dynamic that's come out of it because if she, if, if, if like in the e evening is our time together, right? And if during the evening she wants to put a cop show on, I leave the room. Yeah. And so it's become, it's become this little dynamic. Well, are you going to come back? Well, if you come back, I'll turn off the, the cop show. <laughs> it's like kind of a thing. <laughs> but the point is I stood up for myself. I decided, no, I don't, I, I don't want that in my vibration. I don't want yeah. that in my life, you know, so I'm just not going to do that. In fact, one of her favorite little things to say is, okay, well, you pick what we're going to watch. And very often my answer is, I don't want to watch anything. 
I, I'd rather read or talk or do something else. I really don't want to have the television on, you know, and, and, and that causes a little angst at times, but I stick to my guns and you know what? It all works out because I love her. She loves me. It's not like, you know, we have to drive a wedge between us because of the television for goodness sake. So I, I just stick to what's good for me and she sticks to what she feels is good for her and, and it works out. It isn't actually a problem. And I say that because what we perceive to be problems, we make up in our heads. They actively usually are not part of reality between people. They usually occur just inside. Psychological drama. Yeah, psychological dramas. What's going on between the ears? That's it. And then we, we, we start creating it into our lives. And you do it often enough. Yeah, you'll create it into your life. But you don't have to. You don't have to buy into all that, that craziness. And you, it's pretty easy to make a shift. So that, well, that's sort of my sum well, up of what you guys told us. These wonderful stories. I had to like tack that on the end. Otherwise, it doesn't sound like I'm actually saying anything. <laughs> what were you saying? I love what you you were saying there. You you were saying that you took your power into your own hands and left the room. Yeah. Okay. Now Carolyn Mace put it in a beautiful way about handing your power over to your partner. So it starts with something really simple. You wear this nice tie. And you, you start to go out the door and your wife says to you, you know, darling, the red one will be much better. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you better go back and put the red one. <laughs> and I love the way she puts it as like, yeah, that's exactly how it starts. Handing your power over to somebody else. <laughs> People pleasing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love that story. Well, um, you know, limiting your exposure, right. To what you deem undesirable. At the same time, keeping your vibration pure because you left the room, you're still really happy, right? You're like, I don't have to watch it. I'm going to go in the room and keep myself happy. That's the number one goal, everyone. Keep your vibration clean. Stay in that joyful, positive, optimistic, you know, energy feel and you, you feel great. It just all works out. It just all works out. I actually wouldn't say it was a happy field. I would say it's a relief field. It's mm. like, oh God, thank God I left the room with all that vibration. I don't like, oh, this feels so much better. <laughs> That's the <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And if I do that long enough, then it does turn into joy and happiness. But the main thing is the relief, relief, relief from all that stuff that I don't want to have in my vibration. Oh, that feels so much better. <laughs> yeah. Abraham Hicks always talks about that, right? Find mm -hmm. a way to get some relief. Like if you, feel like you can't jump up the, you know, emotional, you know, scale, the vibrational scale, start with relief and then you'll start to ascend, have some relief from it. And that, that sounds exactly like what you get when you leave the room. The, the odd thing is when I found that it actually gave me negotiating power. I never expected that. <laughs> <laughs> but it does just because you stick to your guns, you stick to what's important to you. It's funny too because so I, I, I see a lot of people online who who um, you know they're, they're telling their story about this that or the other thing that's happening. They're looking for advice and so forth, and they're never sticking to what's important to them. They're always they're very good at sticking to what's not important to them. I really I've noticed that a lot, but very rarely are they good at sticking to what's important to them. If they did, it would, it would just make life so much easier. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Louis. Mm. Um, Selena, I was just thinking you made a comment earlier about. Life in New York. I was just curious if you can elaborate a little bit about your life in New York. Um, because it is, it is, I think from what you're saying and what everybody else in the world seems to be saying about the city, it is a, it is a tough city. Um, is it really that tough? Um, you know, what, what kind of upbringing did you have and, you know, what kind of area and just tell us something about your family or I don't know, something. Yeah, well, I well, I was, you know, grew up on the Upper East Side, and I wouldn't say... What New does York, Upper East mean? It means nothing to me. So, New York is, like, divided by, like, uh, sections of the city, right? So, you could have Upper East Side, that that's usually means from Fifth Avenue all the way down to East End, right? So, usually from, like, 55th Street all the way up until maybe like 95th street. And then you're going up into, you know, East Harlem and then Harlem and things like that. Then you can talk about the West side. That's usually like sixth Avenue, Broadway, all the way, you know, to the West side highway. Then you can talk about Soho, right? South of Houston, NoHo, North of Houston, Union Square. So it's just separated by different sections of the city, right? Because New York City is like, you know, one big island. So, so the area you're brought up in, what is the kind of demographic or, 
how would you talk about it in general um New York terms? Yeah. Uh, wealthy area, down yeah. area, in middle area. Well, the Upper East Side is a very wealthy area, right? Because you have, you know, Park Avenue, you have Madison Avenue. So you have a lot of old money, um, really, like on the Upper East Side. So you have a lot of money people on the Upper East Side. You have a lot of older people as well. Younger families tend to live on the, you know, Upper West Side, you know, newly married people with young families or whatever. So just to give you some context, like, um, and I lived in different parts of New York City, like Queens and things like that. But we're specifically talking about uh, Manhattan. So there was a TV show that I used to watch when I was like a child that my parents used to have on. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, Whoa, I'm sure you have the Jeffersons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> up to the east side. <laughs> yes. So um, when I started to, you know, earn some great money for myself, I moved one block away from them on, you know, 85th Street. So, ah! yeah. <laughs> I love it. so I was on like, you know, 85th between first and second. And the Jefferson's building was between um, 85th and third and Lex. So it's so funny, I, you know, I, I walk by, I take pictures all the time. And in my mind, it's like, if I can get on the same block as the Jefferson, that means I made it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, and it, it's amazing how, you know, we talked about television, right? The cop shows, but there are other shows that can really have a positive effect on you. It all depends on, you know, the show, the context of the show, if it's aspirational. So for us, the Jeffersons, was it was an aspirational show. It was, you know, a, a family that moved on up to the east side. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, my circle, you know, a lot of the people, you know, in New York, you know, they were going into Wall Street. And as you all know, everybody goes into Wall Street to make a ton of money, you know, um, working in finance. A lot of my network, they were like in finance. A lot of my network, they were starting their own businesses. So these were the people that I connected with, that I was in communication with, that I hung out with. So they were all focusing on, you know, making millions of dollars, being successful. So that, you know, gets into your psyche. That's your crew. And it's like, what are your plans? What are you doing? How are you going to get there? Let's review our plans. So when you're in that energy field, that's all you're really thinking about. Wow. Really cool. I love that. I, I had no idea you were inspired by the Jeffersons. That's really great. That's fabulous. Yeah, I know. Like, I never tell that story. I think I'm going to, you know, you inspire me. Well, I think I'm going to post a picture of the building. You should, yeah. The Germans, right? And uh, really tell that backstory, but that was huge inspiration for me for, um, you know, getting my apartment there for sure. I love for me. Also. It was the Waltons. Oh, the Waltons, really? Yeah, I love them. <laughs> I love I love the whole real home family kind of environment. It just, oh, wow, just okay. did it for me. What was the kind Waltons? of what I've created for myself? The Waltons. Is it? What it the, was I mean, it's really old. I don't know if you know. It's television anything. show from the 1970s. Uh, Richard Thomas was a star. Oh, no, I don't know that. I know, oh. it, it was set in uh, Virginia, actually near where Louise and I lived for a while. Uh, in fact, we've been to the little town that was the uh, the inspiration for the television show. And it's basically a family growing up in the Great Depression, very poor. Uh, the father has his own little one-man, one-horse sawmill kind of a thing that barely supports the family. But despite the fact that they're desperately poor and, and always in debt and never able to actually get anywhere. They're just full of love and joy and mm. happiness and so forth. So, yeah, it, it, it's a different, it's not the Jeffersons, but it's a very different. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'll see if I can find something, you know, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. So I'll check it out. Oh, it is really, really great. They've done it brilliantly. It was a masterpiece in my mind. <laughs> it was actually based on um, an original Biography, autobiography written by the guy who play, who Richard Thomas plays in the series after he grows up, moves to Hollywood, and basically sells his story to Hollywood. That's the basis for the story. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. yeah very interesting. What's also interesting, too, is what the, what is 
his hometown has done because his hometown literally it's one of these little towns in America that has you know population twenty five. It's this little 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 tiny mm-hmm. bird. You have to know where it is, otherwise you'll never find it. And when you go there, there, there there's like an old schoolhouse there, not really old schoolhouse, but you know like. 50, 60 year old schoolhouse. And that's where they give the tours of two or three people at a time to be toured around the, the town where the, the, the Waltons grew up. Actually, they, they weren't Waltons, but that's what the, the television series is. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was around for quite some time in the 70s and early 80s, too. But mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, how television does inspire us. It, like uh, you were saying, it, it can give us stuff that doesn't really inspire us, but it can give us stuff that does inspire us. And it's always interesting to find out what does inspire different people. I, I, I had not even thought about the Jeffersons <laughs> until I'll, you mentioned it. But it I'll, makes sense. I'll help you up. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Fish don't fry on the grill. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. Now <laughs> in the big leagues. Getting up, turn that back. Convinced she definitely watched it now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That was fab. That was great. Can you tell it had an effect on me? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who grew up in the United States in the 1980s for sure knew that theme song. They'd heard it so many different times. And, and, you, and you know, Walt, that was about a family. He had his business. Yep. He was yep. very successful in New York City. Yep. So you can see like the programming, the priming mm. of what people in New York are thinking about and focusing on and what they do mm. is success and what you strive for. So it even like for me, it started even younger than, you know, my circle as you know, when I became a young adult, 18, 19, 20, it started from that. And this is what parents were just in my community were instilling in their children to dream big, really? to become successful, to have your own business. Wow. Um, you know, so it was what a great way to grow up. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's like ideal programming. Yeah, it I'm really is. <laughs> so, Selena, when, when I was growing up, there was no TV. So I used to go into the lounge, turn on the hi-fi in the afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon, and listen to a whole selection of things from uh, Jet Jungle to The Mind of Tracy Dark to Squad Cars, a police thing, and to High Adventure, which was like, um, uh, so uh, what was it? Kind of like just um, like short stories which were dramatized and done brilliantly, um, incredibly weird and wonderful stories. And I used to go at about four o'clock in the afternoon, put my sleeping bag next to the hi-fi speaker, turn only the one speaker on so the other one was off, nobody else would be disturbed in the house, and listen <laughs> to all these programs. Um, so it was a very different world. And this was in the mountains in South Africa, away from anybody. Closest neighbors were the monkeys and baboons. So... It was, um, you know, very different, but they, specifically the mind of Tracy Dark, left a very indelible uh, effect on my life. I can see exactly how it's landed up programming different aspects and, and things that I've done in my life that it's, it's been a direct effect from that. Wow. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting what you program yourself with when you're young. Um, yeah. The other thing is Luke, Luke says... Um, He's nervous and excited to be on the show, and I'm saying a little bit of nervousness is great. It's good for you. It is. I, I would agree with that 100 percent. Because when you have that little bit of nervousness, you're alive. You're on your your best game. You're really just you're ready for anything that comes along. So yeah, use that nervousness. Stoke it a little, little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's going to be great tomorrow when he's on. I have no doubt about it. Plus, he's he's also going to be playing to a very warm audience because he's from the Taya community and. 
course, I've been through the tire program and Bridget, who's my co-host, and Janine, my other co-host, they've been through the tire program. So it's going to be a very easy audience for him. But nevertheless, kind of that nervousness is a good thing. It keeps you on your game. It's good stuff. So. Um, something else too about having that programming. Programming can be not desirable. Lots of people get television or radio programming um, that doesn't really feed them the way they need to be fed in a sense. There's some learning that has to be done. Um, sometimes there's change of environment that has to be done. And yet it can be done. You, Louie, actually physically chose to change your environment. You literally moved from South Africa to the UK. That I, I'm guessing that was partly you deciding to shift your environment around to get yourself a different set of influences. Am I wrong? Hmm. Uh, there's different ways I looked at it. Uh, first of all, serious boy, just wanted to understand truth, life, and God, went through a whole lot of different religions and beliefs and systems and things to getting to an I finishing studying um, electronic engineering to uh, getting to the head of my profession in Durban in South Africa to thinking I wanted to expand that. That was my primary thought. I wanted to expand the ceiling of the IT that I'd hit in South Africa in the UK. So I came over and did IT contracting here through all the companies I've mentioned. And um, so the fact that it was just another part of the journey um, all boils down to one thing is when I was going to boarding school as a kid in the back of the car, I used to love being at home on the farm and hated going back to boarding school with a passion. And it used to create this huge knot in my stomach and it was just really painful and uncomfortable. This knot, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually in the car on the way to the boarding school, I suddenly had this epiphany. I'm going to be happy wherever I am. And from that day onwards, I have always been happy. If I'm at an airport in a car in this country, that country with this person, with that person, doesn't matter where I am, just going to be comfortable. And it really was a life-changing experience, um, which happened within a fraction of a second in a car, just because I was so determined not to experience this incredible stress that was tearing my body to pieces and my solar plexus and my whole being. Um, and... Yeah, so, yeah, it was an expansion thing. Landed up being very, very much uh, an expansion. But again, it's it's not that difficult going from an English South Africa to an English in England um, with an English mother. Um, it wasn't that significantly different. I must admit, when I went to Taiwan for 16 days, a country I actually fell in love with completely, and I can talk about those 16 days for hours. Um mm -hmm. That is a different world. No English, no nothing, no food that you've ever used to, no <laughs> nothing. Everybody drives on little mopeds through red traffic lights with six people on the on the moped. Everything is different. Okay, everything is different. Um, you go to a restaurant and you just say, uh, "No, I understand English, English," and then they would the, the waitress would stand up anybody and, and say in in um, uh, Cantonese, is, is, is anybody understand English? And then one girl popped up from a table, came and sat next to me, and she spent the whole table choosing everything for me and sitting there and just chatting English with me because she wanted to practice English. And I stood on the side of the road hitchhiking, and I never stood there for a couple of minutes before somebody picked me up because I wanted to practice English. Told some of them I was going to body surf on the waves. Um, and they said, well, we've never seen that before. Can we come watch you? So they stood on the beach while for two hours I was body surfing in the waves watching me. <laughs> it's just <laughs> weird, you know. I had the most amazing experience in Taiwan. You have no idea. But, um, yeah, it's a whole varied life that I've had in, in different shapes and forms. And it's just so I'm really comfortable wherever I am now. And I'm, I'm, be I'm very comfortable now just having a family, just being at home. And it's a really simple thing. Just be the best dad I can, be the happiest um, husband I can be, and, and just be simple and down to earth. And it's it's a very different desire I have now. I mean, 
the whole financial thing and all the rest of it, I, I worked at earlier on in my life, but that's not my focus anymore in any shape or form. Selena, one of, the, one of the things I really love about Louis is he can take my question, completely bend it out of shape, turn it into something entirely <laughs> different, and come up with an amazing story that comes wonderfully through the end. And I sit back yeah. and I say, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Half the time, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's beautiful. You know, and you said that um, you, you're, you're, you're choosing, you had this insight to be happy, you know, no matter where you are. I remember when I was a teenager and I read uh, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. And that book really changed the course of my life. I must have been, I don't know, like 16, 17 years old. And for those that are unfamiliar with the book, Victor Frankl, um, he was in the Holocaust. And we all know the horrors. We've read about the horrors of the Holocaust. And he witnessed the most horrific things done to human beings, you know, um, by the, the Nazis. And he said, you know, even though they're doing things to my body, my persons, that he refused to let them take control of his mind. And he just believed and envisioned and visualized one day getting out of there and telling the world about it, the horrors of it, so that it wouldn't be repeated and him, you know, just living a better life out of there. And he mentioned that the, you know, people were dying all around him, obviously. Um, but he said he believes the reason why he survived is because he was steadfast to the belief and the vision that he was going to be, get out of there, that there was meaning from the suffering that he was going to share with the world so that it wouldn't happen again. So, you know, you can, even if it's the craziest things that's going around you, you, you can still control your mind. They can take whatever they want from you and your body that you can still be strong in your mind and your resolve and whatever it is you want to think about or fantasize about or believe right. in any situation and dream a better situation for yourself as you move towards that, even if it's just a thought in your mind. So for the people out there that are listening to this, that are, are watching this, um, whatever you're going through, it could be the most horrible thing that you think could be happening in your life. I know a lot of people have suffered in the past two years with the pandemic and things like that. I've had family uh, members whose you know, friends and stuff have passed on. Just hold that spark in your mind that it can get better, that it can be better for you and that you can make a difference in someone's life. Your story, your triumph, your resolve to better your life um, can be the spark that someone else needs as well to better their life. Wow. Oh, fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. I love that. Thank you for that. Um, I, of course, I, I think of questions to ask when there isn't enough time, but I'm going to shoot for it anyway. We've got about, uh, I don't know, seven minutes left. When you're talking about people taking steps to improve themselves financially, which is what we got this conversation started with, one of the things that you hear a lot, and it's something I believe in, and I kind of suspect you guys believe in it too, is to do what you're passionate about, to do what was really makes you feel good inside. But a lot of people struggle with it because they aren't really sure what their passion is. So how do you help somebody who doesn't really know what their passion is? How do they find it? Um, do you want me to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Ladies first. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, you hear that so much. I'll let you. Um, <laughs> follow your passion. Follow your passion. And like you said, sometimes you don't know what your passion is. So it's okay to, you know, have a job or be in a career that you may not love, you know, at this moment, look at it as a means to get you to your ultimate passion or whatever it is, right? So a lot of people are like, I'm just going to quit my job and do my passion. No, that's what you don't want to do because you can end up homeless or you can end up without food, you know, shelter or clothes or running water, right? So you want to keep whatever it is that you have that's taking care of your needs, right? At the same time, formulate a plan. You can ask yourself a series of questions. What do I love doing? What comes to me effortlessly? Now that I know I love this, how can I exchange this 
for the other person's dollars, right? So say, for example, you love baking cakes. You just love cake. They call you the cake lady in town, right? So you say, oh, I love cakes. Now, how can I make this into a profit, you know, a profitable earning venture? Can I sell cakes to my church? Can I sell cakes online? Can I try to get my cakes in a in a store where my family and friends purchase these cakes? And once you start generating some revenue from your passion, then you may want to leave your job or your career. But I, I, I do not recommend people quitting what they have to follow their passion without deciding how they're going to monetize their passion. Because at the end of the day, we are adults and we need to take care of ourselves financially. So you always want to also think about that with your passion. Mm, okay. How about you, Louie? What do you think? If you don't know what, what, what you want to do, get involved with life. Find out, join things. Find out what you like, find out what you don't like, leave things if you don't like them anymore, but get involved with different things because as you play with contrast, so you'll get to know what you don't like, you get a better idea what you do like, and so it'll go on and on. And then slowly but surely things become clearer and clearer. It's, it's just a, a journey. Um, but you need to be, have, have a bit of courage just to play with the journey, you know, you know, just to dip your foot in this, this adventure and, dip your foot in that one and like Luke is going to go on the show tomorrow, you know, just try things, come on the show. I'll talk to you. Um, you know, do, 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 do try things, try things a little bit out of your comfort zone as well. Not massively. We don't want to being scared out of your wits. is not going to help you much, but just pushing yourself a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more and really focusing. This is the thing I'm, I'm really working on at the moment with myself is increasing all your senses, just, you know, being more and more aware of the fact that you are non-physical mostly and a little bit physical. And just being more and more aware of your inner self, your 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 five physical senses, heighten them, get better eyesight, improve your eyesight, improve your hearing, improve your, your touch, just improve everything, just, just get there. And then when the opportunity comes, you'll be able to snap it up because you're right in tune, you're right in place, you're ready to take it on board. I love that as well. I love what you both said. I think you both, you, you said them differently, but you basically came into the same point, which is try things. Don't, don't, don't set yourself up in a way that you're going to, you know, basically homeless, but you can still try things without making massive changes in your life. A lot of the things that you can try, you can just try in your mind. You just yeah. try by talking to somebody just to see how they respond to it. You don't have to actually quit your job in order to find out whether you like something. But you can try lots of different things. You just try this one, try that one, try that one, try that one. And then one, one of these days, all of a sudden, you find, like me, oh, my God, I like doing podcasts. Who would have thought? I mean, seriously, guys, podcasting was, like, last on my list. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Well, actually, it wasn't even on the list. It hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> so, you know, it just wasn't even there. But seven years later, here we are. Yeah, here we are, right. You know? So, yeah, the only way you can get there is just by trying things. Try If you can't try it physically because you don't have the time, try it mentally. Try it just by talking to people. You know, try it out on somebody. One of the things that I love when I try try an idea out on somebody is I get feedback. And that just saying it that way just sounds so bland. It's actually really big because I'm getting somebody else's perspective. I, I, I say, you know, Selena, I've been thinking about doing basket weaving. And as I start to describe basket weaving to you, you throw something back to me that I hadn't thought about. And perhaps the thing you, you describe is that basket weaving means you actually have to do a lot of weaving. Oh, God, I hadn't thought of that. You, know, <laughs> you get this other perspective that makes you think about it in a different way. It's a wonderful well, you can pay somebody else to do it. Yeah, hey, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, that's how that's trying it. That's what I'm trying to get at. Just just having a conversation with somebody who's trying something. Um, not that there's anything wrong with actively going out and you know getting the uh, materials and weaving a basket yourself. You could also do that too. But there there are lots of ways to try something. So yeah, how about trying something? I know what I tried. I tried getting Selena on the show for a second time, and it worked out great. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Actually, third time. No, this is the third time, isn't it? This I'm, this is my second time on the show, the and then you reached okay. out. 
almost like a year ago. No, I, you reached out maybe like seven months ago initially. And I was, you know, in the midst of doing all my summits and stuff. And then we. Oh, right, right. That's right. Yes. It, right. And, yeah, then, okay. uh, and then you were, you know, like a speaker. We, you know, doing a lot of fun things together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I wouldn't have had any of that if I hadn't, you know, given it a shot and had a conversation. So exactly. You got to go for it. You got to go for it in life. So Selena, are you up for the challenge? What's the challenge? Everybody you go out with from now on, you pay for them. Oh, no. No. I'm beyond that stage where I'm system. I'm at the stage now where I actively choose. That, that, that'll help you move forward much quicker. I think I'm doing pretty okay. Thank you. I, I think this is where it's important to know, you know, the, the, the original story was somebody who was actually asking the guru for help. Selena say, hey, I'm done with help. I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so Selena Dorsey, thank you so much for being on the show. We are going to have you back again. There's going to be more visits from you, but this has been wonderful. I really appreciate it. And thank uh, you for having me. It's truly a pleasure hanging out uh, with you and your crew, Walt. It's always a lot of fun. And we and we got Lovely your cheeks in a smiling position, so that's a wonderful thing, you know. Absolutely. And Louie, thank you very much. Amory will be back next week, but uh, we, we missed her today, but we'll be ha happy and enjoying the fact that she's going to, going to be rejoining us next week. And tomorrow, of course, we got Luke joining us. Luke Azatron from the entire community is going to be joining us. We got Donna Ferguson on Thursday and uh, Dean Vermeeran on Friday, the creator of the Six Minute Workday. I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be interesting. But in the meantime, thank you guys very much. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.